You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Coco. Every year, grandkids, cousins, pretty much everyone gets together, even great-grandma Coco. And the winner is... Luchadora Coco! I tell her pretty much everything. I used to run like this, but now I run like this, it's just way faster. Life sounds like... Miguel, eat your food. Here, have some more. No, gracias. <gasps> I mean, see? <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Dia de los Muertos has begun. It's the one night of the year our ancestors can come visit us. I thought it might have been one of those made-up things. <laughs> I was just... <laughs> but it's... I... Tonight is about family. I am not like the rest of my family. There's something that makes me different. Great, great grandfather, I want to be a musician just like you. All right, who's in there? I'm sorry. <gasps> Welcome to the land of your ancestors. <laughs> Miguel? We're your family. You're skeletons. You're alive. Yay! You've got to get home before sunrise or you'll be stuck here <gasps> forever. <laughs> Security. Hurry, come on. It's showtime! You, my boy, are meant to be a musician. I must follow my heart. I am trying to save your life! Nice kitty. Miguel, something's mattered more than music. <gasps> Sorry. Our differences, but nothing's more important than family. <laughs> I'm proud we're family! Go away, you! Go! It's just Dante. Never name a street dog. They'll follow you forever. Now, go get my shoe. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Coco, and the story is as follows. Despite his family's generations-old ban on music, young Miguel dreams of becoming an accomplished musician like his idol, Ernesto de la Cruz. Desperate to prove his talent, Miguel finds himself in the stunning and colorful Land of the Dead. After meeting a charming trickster named Hector, the two new friends embark on an extraordinary journey to unlock the real story behind Miguel's family history. The film is starring Anthony Gonzalez, Gael Garcia Bernal, Benjamin Bratt, Rene Victor, Ana Ophelia Magrera, Alana Ubach, Jamie Camel, Sofia Espinosa, Celine Luna, Alfonso Aru, and Edward James Olmos. It is directed by Lee Unkrich and written by Adrian Molina and Matthew Aldrich. Joining me for this review, I have oh, a name I am more familiar with, Diane Chiazese. <laughs> yeah, you did a very good job with that. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> um, yeah, those, that was a, those were some doozy names. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the easiest name of all, the title of the film itself, is Coco. Yes. And I want to just start off by saying that uh, part of, like, I, this, this review is going to be... Um, uh, we're not going to go into spoilers, essentially. Uh, suffice to say, throughout most of the film, I was trying to get a grasp, other than the fact that it's a catchy title, why the film itself was actually called Coco. Right? Right, yeah. 
You don't even really get there till the third act. It's kind of part of the mystery. Yeah. I, I Actually, one of my favorite parts of this, so I'm just fresh out of the theater. I mean, I still have, like, the tear stains on my face. That's oh, how fresh okay. out of the theater I am. Um, but, so, um, I will, I'm tr- trying to do my best without notes here, but... Um, My favorite part of the entire movie was the narrative itself. I thought it had a lot of um, layers to it. It was interesting. It kept my attention. To your point, there was some mystery around what was really going on, and I found that compelling, and it worked for me. Well, that's – yeah, I I have to say, like, so I don't – like, I'm very positive on the movie overall. It's going to sound like I'm a mixed bag, but I'm not. I swear I'm not. Um, Spoilers, I I give this film an 8 out of 10. (laughs) But – yeah. The problem with this movie for me is I feel in recent years, Pixar really started to kind of drop the ball a little bit. They had three films in a row that were honestly not that great, at least, you know, for me. That was uh, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3. Inside Out, I would say, is probably the best uh, Pixar film that we've had last and in between then, we've gotten Zootopia, we got Moana, you know? So Disney Animation Studios has been killing it. And now we get this, and I'm sorry, but like that 07 to 2010 run with Ratatouille, Wally, Up, and Toy Story 3, that is the bar that Pixar has set for themselves. Inside Out was able to meet it. I think Coco is above those... Uh, Pixar films I mentioned earlier, The Cars 3, The Fighting Dories, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think it ever gets quite to that level. But it's just right below for, for me. Um, I don't know if it's that way for others. But at least in this year alone, it stands out because it's arguably easily the best animated film that we've gotten all year, I would say. So it, it, it has a lot of factors working in its favor, I'd say. Yeah, that's definitely going to help it, the timing with this year. And like you said, last year was so amazing. And there was other stuff. I even loved Kubo and the Two Strings from Leica. Mm -hmm. There was a lot last year to talk about in this category. Um, So obviously this one um, will stand out just for that reason alone. But I'm with you just in terms of where I would put it in the Pixar universe for me. It's definitely not my top five, but um, I would probably put it around seven or eight out of the 19. So, I mean, that's still pretty amazing, um, you know, given obviously that body of work. But um, we're not talking the cream of the crop, but what a lovely holiday film. I agree. It's a perfect family movie. Perfect to bring a whole family to. I mean, the theme of the movie itself is celebrating family, uh, tradition, where you come from. And also, too, on a more adult-oriented level, a rumination on life and death and getting a unique vision of the afterlife, you know, something that is presented not uh, from the standpoint of, oh, this is like heaven. No, this is just, you know, the land of the dead and it's like what dreams may come, but for kids, essentially, you know, which is kind of, a, yeah. you know, uh, interesting in its own way. But it, I mean, I'll tell you, I was not expecting uh, a Pixar film uh, that again up did this a couple years ago. But um, I, I was not expecting Pixar to once again revisit uh, mortality. Right. And I found myself thinking a lot about that during this. So I kind of had a very uh, morbid experience to a certain degree and that with like the casual mentions of the word murder which i think gets mentioned in this movie at least three or four times this is actually a very um 
dark film beneath the surface. It's not on. It's not above the surface, but below the surface. If you think about it a lot, this film has got some dark stuff going on. Yeah, it definitely does, and they bring the brightness to sort of what, what that afterlife looks like. Obviously, just with the color and and the humor and keeping things as close to real life as they can, so that it almost feels more comfortable in ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that that's how they kind of um, balance that. But you're absolutely right. There there are some dark themes for sure, and. Um, but, oh, my gosh, I have to say, so l- let's talk a little bit about the music. I-, I went into this really hoping that that was going to be the star of the show. I have a lot of good things to say. If I had one minor complaint about this movie, I wasn't as in love with the music. Now, I just listened to it for the first time, so maybe it'll settle on me. But I'm curious, after you've processed it for a while, what your take was on that. You know, coming off the heels of Moana last year... Oh, that, yeah, that was so good. Yeah. I, <laughs> that music was so good. I this, this didn't do it for me. And I was very surprised yeah. by that because I thought that this film was going to be, you know, very memorable in terms of its music. The, the main song in the movie is called Remember Me. And I don't remember anything about it. And I even listened no. to both versions. I listened to the version that's played in the film. And I listened to the uh, radio-friendly uh, version. And... While within the context of the film, it's very beautiful and it fits perfectly well, this is not a big hit song that's going to, in my opinion, uh, win the Oscar or get radio playtime or anything like that. I, I just can't see it happening. I agree with you. And it's kind of ironic being that it's so based in music, the movie as a whole. But um, that's unfortunately the piece I don't think that's going to resonate. But it's interesting, though, because there's another uh, song in the movie. And uh, forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. I think it was like called uh, El Poco Loco or... Yeah, the one that, he, that they did together on stage. Is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, there's a scene where yes. he does it like at some sort of like a talent show to get access yes. to see Ernesto de la Cruz. And he plays a song and Hector joins him on the stage. And it's, it's, a, it's actually, that's a very fun light song that um that was the first time where you know seeing miguel who they kind of with they withhold actually a lot in the movie you know us hearing him play like full out so that when he does have that moment where he does get to go on stage and he does get to play his guitar he gets to sing um it was like yes yes this is what the movie's been missing oh great like i hope they really build upon this and they give us more more and more and other than the other song, Remember Me, um, like I said, I, I really there's not really much music in this for such a film that revolves so much around it. Absolutely. I expected it a lot more, and it was really weighted in the back end more than anything, too. But um, I will say, uh, positives, I thought the voice work o- across the board was amazing. You have, obviously, this full Latino cast, newcomer in, in the main, in Miguel, um, but all these other just great, well-known voices. I, I thought that part worked really well, um, and I really loved Hector. He, you know, looking him up, I'm now reminded uh, he's the Mozart in the Jungle guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was really strong. Yeah, no, he's a he's a phenomenal uh, Mexican actor. You ever seen the Motorcycle Diaries? I haven't. He's in that too. Yeah, he's in that. He's really good. He was in Babel. Um, I think his big thing that he uh, kind of came to like prominence with was definitely uh, Motorcycle uh, Diaries. But uh, Amores, uh, Amores Peros, Itu uh, Mama Tambien. Yeah. Guy's done a lot, you know, and in this, I thought he brought like a really great level of energy and spirit to the character of Hector, who's kind of like this, you know, uh, I don't want to say like uh, like con artist, you know, but like just this like, you know, charming trickster who makes promises, mm-hmm. doesn't deliver, you know, always says, oh, I'm going to pay you back, you know, and thanks, you know, thanks yeah. for the favor, you know, <laughs> and um, we learn a lot about his character that 
I think he gets some really wonderful character development. I think the bond between him and uh, Miguel is really strong, very heartwarming. That by the time we get to the third act, it, you know, I tell you, the geniuses over in the storytelling development uh, development at Pixar are just absolutely incredible. I don't know how they're able to do it. And I've heard some people complain that, you know, the storytelling is becoming a little predictable. But, you know, the way I see it is this. I don't know if you've ever watched Breaking Bad, Deanne. But yes. when we got to the end of Breaking Bad, the television show, and we got to like the final episode of the whole show's the series finale i remember i correct correctly predicted every single character that was going to die who was going to kill them and what was ultimately going to happen and when it did happen some of my friends were very upset and they were like oh i'm so predictable i man like i knew everything that was going to happen i think sometimes you know predictability and storytelling if it's following like a logical conclusion it's not a bad thing, you know, that it's not it's not terrible because what they're able to still do is they're still able to add a degree of pathos, clear character arcs and really, really take us on an interesting journey along the way. If you do something that's cliched and boring, it doesn't really present something new and interesting or with a unique vision, then that's when storytelling that's predictable can be just light and bland. But here, I thought we got enough um, of a unique perspective um, on the afterlife, on on the, the culture, and um, some very interesting characters along the way to keep me invested. That even by the time we got to the second act and you know the twists that this movie has have not yet revealed themselves, I did correctly predict what they were all going to be, and yet it still was able to work its charm and its emotional effect over me. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, too, because, I mean, you think about this ultimately being made for children. I mean, I guess in theory, although some people would argue for that. But with that, you know, that, you know, predictability, some of that, those sort of expectations of that type of movie making, that's what, I mean, has been so, what Pixar has done so well and so uniquely. I, so, so I'm with you. I, I, I was kind of within, I kind of felt like I knew where things were going, but there was so much heart that balanced it. And I thought the humor was good. I thought there was just enough. Um, I, you know, all those elements come together, then whatever the story may be is almost secondary. Yeah, you know, it's like things like, for example, like seizing your moment. Yeah, yeah. We've heard that before. That's not something new, you know. That's a message that's definitely located in a bunch of animated children's films throughout history. But putting it within this unique setting, like I was saying before, and, you know, with this uh, presentation of uh, the land of the living and the land of the dead, it helps put a new spin on a theme that uh, does need to constantly be retold. Now, a little bit of a drawback for me, because obviously I hold Pixar to a very, very high standard. There's like one scene in particular where uh, they're moving between the land of the living and going to the land of the dead. And, you know, they have to go back and they almost treat it like it's customs in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, it was that kind of like tongue in cheek uh, re- re- reference to like real world um uh, I don't want to say like problems, but just real world uh, situations um, that the Mexican culture finds themselves in. I wanted more of that. I wanted to see um, more about the culture themselves because I felt very much like the storytelling was catering to make this more universal in a way to appeal to different demographics and different cultures and not just specifically the Mexican culture. 
Yeah, right. They could have expanded on that. I, I will say on that note, one of the things I really did like was the mixed language use and keeping yeah. you know, without subtitles, just keeping some of that you know mixed dialogue in. Obviously, we could all follow it. There was no problem with nope. it because everything that's happening tells it to you. I thought that was a really nice touch. Obviously, too, this opened in Mexico, well, I think like the end of October, and it's one of the highest ranked movies there ever, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Um, is that right? So, um, obviously, I think that there's that nice crossover touch with this film that is nice, just given the state of things. But you're right. You could have even gone maybe a little bit deeper in some of that um, and and even brought some more adult themes out, potentially. Yeah, and you know what? It's tough. I get it. It's 109 minutes already. There's a 20-minute frozen short before the film, you know, so... That was long. Right? I wasn't expecting (laughs) it to be that long. (laughs) Yeah, it kept throwing me off. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so I don't know how much further they could have gone with it. You know, we get... You know, we get some really, really cool uh, references during in there, like, you know, old um, old music stars and how they uh, were portrayed in black and white films and movies. And we also get to see um, how the culture respects the, the dead by hanging them up, uh, like their pictures on the um, – what did they call it in the in the movie? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's like – like, jeez, oh, uh, here I go. I'm getting a – Getting all of this wrong. They, I can't help you. Yep. I'm no help. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I think it's called like a, uh, I want to say it's like a, a ofrenda? Ofrend, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, right? Ofrenda. Okay, good. Yeah, there you go. Yes, right. well done. Ooh, all right, got that one out. <laughs> uh, you know, so there's really cool things like that. Uh, you know, there's references to uh, Miguel's uh, grandmother being called uh, My Abuelita, which, granted, I only know from Breaking Bad, but it was nice to see that referenced here. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was there were things that were in there uh, that, you know, uh, respected the culture. I was having a hard time trying to, like, figure out if this was supposed to take place in, like, present day or if this was a period piece. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. It really wasn't clear at all. Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to take place in the present day, if I had to take a guess, but I'm not 100% sure. Once again, I, I think it's kind of they're trying to just be as universal as possible in their storytelling um, and not try to make something that's going to, uh, what's where I'm looking for here, uh, only appeal to a small smaller demographic, even though there's clearly a lot of love, attention, and respect uh, put into it. You know, like I said, I I think for me, because it's such a unique twist and such a unique story, I kind of wanted them to just go more full blown with it. Like give us uh, Spanish dial uh, Spanish dialogue with English subtitles. Like really, really go for it. You know, yeah. yeah that's what I kind of wanted from it. But what I got, I, I'm I'm very satisfied with what we got. I'm very very happy. Uh, believe me. Uh, anything that reduces me to tears by the end, you, you've done well. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, it really. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of really lovely moments. Really lovely. Yeah. Um, you know, this the the gentleman too, Unkrich, I think is how you say it. Unkrich. Lee Unkrich. He directed uh, Toy Story three. Yeah, he did Toy Story three, which I know you and I both hold in very high regard very. based on our last Pixar conversation. So that's pretty tough to live up to. And this certainly is, you know, for him being his second movie, certainly a nice follow up, but kind of had a hard one to beat mm-hmm. out the gate. <laughs> you know, and then we have. Um, you know, like there's a lot of things that this film once again it gets right. Uh, I don't think it's the most beautifully animated film I've ever seen in my life. I actually think Moana's Utopia and uh, Kubo and the Two Strings are actually uh, better animated than this. 
Yeah. There's some interesting parallels with Kubo, like with the paper and the guitar, yeah. obviously, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then this with the pedals and some of that animation with, with the pedals was pretty in this with the kind of light on the orange. There was some really pretty things going on. I will, but... And I will say this, The Land of the Dead, I liked it more than Tim Burton's uh, Land of the Dead and Corpse Bride. <laughs> yes. Agreed. <laughs> you know, because in that Agreed. movie, he's got singing, dancing, kooky looking skeleton characters. And I, I felt like this presented it much, much better. And I really, 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 my probably my favorite storytelling device of all was the concept that they introduced called uh, the final death, where every person yeah. that lives on Earth forgets about you. And then that's when you fade from the land of the dead and you pass on to, I guess, nothingness. Yeah. And going back to what I was talking about before about like the mortality factor and how that like made me feel. Um, it was like, holy crap, I, I better impact as many people as I possibly can and leave behind a legacy to not be forgotten because that'll suck. <laughs> and it's almost like, are, like, are they in purgatory? Like, what's like, what's going on? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And Edward James almost was the character, right? So that's always good. I love just hearing his voice made me happy. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that that was a really pretty scene. And then I just thought the, the whole thread of, you know, just music. Um, help you know, helping with memory, connecting you to parts of your life that were impactful and meaningful, oh. and all of that just totally got me. Yeah, it, it got me too because um, at, a, at a previous uh, job I used to have, um, we used to use music. Um, well, we used to sell uh, the product uh, to a company that used the music to help out people that had like Alzheimer's and so on and so forth um, to remember uh, certain aspects of their memory from music. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, really beautiful thing. And I was really, really reminded of that here. And it brought, like I said, it brought tears to my eyes uh, by the end of the film and for what it also meant then for another character in this movie. And it just all came full circle by the end. It had a nice little bow on it. I was very, very happy. Um, I did think the central conflict of the movie, the fact that there's no music, music is banned in our family for generations. I did think that was a little silly. Yeah, it's a little over the top. It's like dirty dancing and, you know, nobody in this town can dance. Yeah, kind of it's like, you <laughs> know, that kind of like, up, like, really, you know, we're going to we're going to hold hold yeah. by this. I I, mm, I don't know. I I, I that, that was a little bit for me to, you know, kind of take down. But I, I got through it. And I mean, by the end of the film, like I said, it really wrapped itself up very nicely. And there was a really beautiful uh, twist that I thought worked well in regards to the Ernesto de la Cruz character. So, mm-hmm. listen, the guys at Pixar and ladies, <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they plan this stuff out before they get to the animation, the voice acting and everything. They got the story so well thought out, you know, uh, even even a line like um, what was the line? It was like probably like the, like the one line in the movie that uh, was probably like the most borderline in terms of. Oh geez, like that's that's kind of crossing a little bit into like adult humor there. Um, I think it was. Oh, I hope you die very soon. Oh right, right. You remember yeah. when they said that to him, and then they're like, "Oh, ha, ha, just kidding." And it's like, dude, that's that's dark. That's I a child. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyways. Yeah. Coco. I liked it. Yeah, me too. I'm happy. I it was it's, again perfect Thanksgiving movie. Um, I think. I mean, can we just talk about it? This is obviously our best animated feature this year. There's just no doubt, right? I, Nothing. <laughs> I just nothing like is no beating doubt. this for animated feature. Yeah, 
I'm very, very convinced. Uh, unless if loving Vincent somehow, but I, yeah, there's no way. Um, I already revealed my grade. It's an eight out of ten. Uh, what, what's yours, Deanne? Mine's an eight out of ten as well. Aww. And I would rank it, like I said, maybe seven or eight for in the Pixar universe for me, which is high. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of films now at this point. You know, it's better than I would. I would rank it higher than like A Bug's Life. Um, I don't. I don't think I would rank it higher than Incredibles, but I think it's like in the same tier. Right around there. Yep. Yeah, and and and, and that might be like blasphemy because I know some people um, have revisited Incredibles this week after that uh, uh, trailer for Incredibles two dropped, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, Incredibles is like my favorite Pixar film ever." You know, it, I, listen, it's Sophie's choice. Right. <laughs> you could pretty much pick almost any of one of the Pixar films and say that they're your favorite and nobody's going to argue with you unless if you unless if you pick Cars 2, then somebody's going to be like, "Hey, something's wrong. What's going on here? Let's talk." <laughs> that's right. And that's a hard part for me too because these are very much I think you need that like second or third watch or that processing time. I I may come back and listen to this and go, "Uh-oh, like maybe I would totally rethink that after I have a minute to settle with it." But we'll see. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Deanne, uh, anything else you want to say about Coco? No, I don't think so. So are, are you with me in thinking that it does not get an original song nomination, or you think it gets the nomination just doesn't win? Yeah, I still think it could squeeze out a nomination, but it's definitely not winning. Yeah, uh, I, I'm and definitely with you And then I would assume it's Remember Me that would be the song, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. Uh, the most unmemorable song in the film is the one that's going to be, you know, remembered. <laughs> Ironically called, remember me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the FYC campaign, by the way. Remember me. Yeah. Do you remember me? I was that song in that movie that you liked. All right, Dia, where can yeah. they find you on the internet? I am at TweedledD33. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to our review of Pixar's Coco. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. Nothing less than five stars is ever acceptable. Thank you so much. Gracias in the spirit of Coco. And we will see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.